Hello, everybody, and welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of the Glendale Road Church of Christ. I'm Stephen Hunter, the preacher here at the Glendale Road Church of Christ, and I thank you for joining us. I will address today a very common question that is often asked, and that question is, how can a loving God send people to hell? Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In the question itself, there are two premises, that God is a loving God and that people will go to hell. But let's first begin with the second of these before addressing the first. The word hell is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament, and 12 of those times it's translated from the Greek word Gehenna, I'll explain what that is in a second. There's one time that it is translated as hell from a term called Tartarus in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Now, interestingly enough, the Greek term Tartarus in Greek mythology was the prison in the underworld where the titans were kept after they were defeated by the Pantheon. So I've always wondered, because in 2 Peter 2, verse 4, Speaking of those rebellious angels that are kept under chains until judgment, I've often wondered if Peter was trying to convey something similar by choosing that word. But all but two of the 13 times that hell is mentioned come out of the mouth of Jesus. It's mentioned once in James, the earliest New Testament writing that also has Jewish overtones, once in Luke, three times in Mark, and seven times in Matthew. I want you to notice that Matthew is one of the most Jewish of all the Gospels. He begins with the genealogy of Jesus and often refers back to prophecies and things that would have been appealing to a Jewish audience. James also uh, is written with Jewish overtones. So when you look at these different writings and their connectedness to Judaism, you you see there's an emphasis among Jewish audiences regarding this, whereas Mark wrote to the Romans, and he mentions this three times, and it's only mentioned once in Luke. On nearly every occasion when hell is mentioned, it's mentioned to people of faith rather than those who are outside the community of faith, which is Pretty interesting factoid if you think about it. So let's go back to that word Gehenna that's more often than not translated as hell. Now that word, when translated into English, means the Valley of Hinnom. During the time that Jeremiah prophesied, Israelites worshipped the god Molech in the Valley of Hinnom, and it was there where they would sacrifice their children. Jeremiah condemns this in Jeremiah 32, verses 31 through 35. Kings Ahaz and Manasseh engaged in that worship. Josiah, however, would defile the place because of their idolatry. So when you look at pictures of the valley in our own time, you may think it's a rather lush place. However, the association of what occurred there was likely how it was viewed in Jesus' day. And so when you think about Jesus saying that the body and the soul can be destroyed in the valley of Hinnom, there would have been a certain understanding among his audience as to what that meant. 
more often than not, our ideas of hell don't come from Scripture, but are primarily informed by Milton's Paradise Lost, Dante's Inferno, and other such literary writings that have given greater depiction to what hell may actually be like. Now, there's a few uninspired writings among the Jews uh, before the time of Jesus. One of them is called First Enoch, and First Enoch describes the Valley of Hinnom as associated with fire, judgment, and punishment. So that was likely the understanding and the association by the time of Jesus. There's also another text called For Ezra, written in the early to mid-first century, and it depicts the Valley of Hinnom as the entrance to hell in 4 Ezra 7.36. So a lot of commentaries suggest that the Valley of Hinnom was a trash heap in the first century. Because refuse was burned, there would have been a constant cloud of smoke rising in the air because of the burning fire. Dogs would come to the outer edges and gnash their teeth to eat what they could on the outskirts of the fire pit. And worms constantly arose around that area. So that's what a lot of commentary, a lot of commentaries will suggest. Uh, but there is, as far as I know, no literary or archaeological evidence to support the claim that this was a refuse dump during the first century. But it could have been. So if you're a Jewish person among the audience where Jesus is teaching and preaching, when he speaks about the body and the soul being destroyed in the valley of Hinnom, not necessarily using that word hell, that is a word that's rather recent, uh, you kind of wonder, how would they have understood that? You know, because those early writings show it as an entrance to eternal damnation, but then you also have other writings that associate it with fire, judgment, and punishment, and then you have those of Jeremiah, the Kings, and Chronicles in the Bible that condemn it because it was a place where uh, idolatry was rampant and children were sacrificed. So when you try to get into the mind of a Jewish, Jewish person in the first century, how would they have understood that? You know, you have several, several uh, choices that you can make from that. Well, the word hell itself, where did that come from? It came from Norse mythology. Hell in Norse mythology was spelled H-E-L. And Hel was originally the name of the world of the dead and was the daughter of Loki. But most of what we think about Hell doesn't match up with Norse mythology. But as I've mentioned earlier, Dante's Inferno and works of art partly based on these sources. So likely the association of the Valley of Hinnom with the sacrifices there helped to give the association of what awaits those who will incur God's judgment. So, that's a lot to digest, it's a lot to take in, but when you look at Daniel chapter 7, I believe verses 13 and 14, one of the things that you read is that flowing from the throne of God is a river of fire. Then you get to Revelation chapters 20, uh, 21, you see that those whose name are not found written in the book of life, as well as death and Hades, they are cast into the lake of fire. 
So even though there are a lot of associations that are popularized not by Scripture, there you have at least the depiction of what Scripture gives us by way of understanding this place of condemnation and the eternal death. Okay, so let's go back to that that principle that God is love. And how can a loving God create a place like hell or even send people there? Well, that God is love, I don't think is a hard argument to make. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, he is the God of love. Ephesians 2, 4, he has loved us with great love. Romans 5, 8, the sacrifice of his son is a demonstration of his love. John 3, 16, he so loved the world. So how do we square these two realities? that God is loving and that hell exists. I believe what's most important to note is why hell was created, and it wasn't for humanity. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 says hell was created for Satan and his angels. So why is there a reality of people going there? I believe the answer to the question we have must be... Let me rephrase that. I think I kind of jumbled over my words. The answer to the question, in order to answer the question, we have to look to the parable of the prodigal son, which is in Luke 15, 11 to 32. Now, you read that when you get a chance, but I'm just going to go from memory. You notice that the son left his father's home. The son was seeking pleasure. The son found ruin. He degraded himself, and he came to nothing. Here's the point. He made the choice to depart. Nobody forced him to leave. So when you think of it in those terms, hell is our coming to nothingness because we decide to depart from a loving father. God doesn't want to send us there, but he gives us the choice to stay in the comfort of him or to depart. So you could say in a metaphorical manner of speaking, when the prodigal son left his father and he experienced the ruin, the degradation, the nothingness, he chose a state of hell. And it all began with him seeking pleasure and wanting to leave his father's home. So if we depart from the father, or if we never ever go to the father, we experience hell as eternal condemnation. So we're given the choice. God is a God of love, and he's demonstrated his love by offering his son as the sacrifice. Why would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. We choose it. We need to quit laying blame at God's feet and take accountability for our own actions and understand that he has given us the gift of salvation. And if we will only reciprocate the love he has shown us with love of him, then hell isn't a place that we have to fear. Remember, First John wrote, perfect love cast out fear. So when we understand and come to the perfect love of our Lord, we will understand that there's no need to be afraid. Hope you all have a great rest of the week. If you have any questions you'd like explored, feel free to contact us, and I'll do my best.